Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. So if you want to, all the verses are up there. We, we may get to all of them. We may get to a few of them. Um, but we're definitely going to open up in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, so if you want to open 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we'll be there for sure. And then we will be in uh, John 4 later. So Father, we just thank you for being here. We thank you that when we gather in your name, you show up every single time. You said that where two or three gather in your name, we, you are in our midst. You are here with us. And so, Father, we just pray that we would connect to what you're doing in the room, connect to what you're doing in our hearts, and that it would produce good fruit in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, today I kind of have a continuation of of the thought and the theme of discipleship, of becoming a disciple. And uh, I just want to say, like, I don't really have, maybe this is a title, I don't know, but choose your yoke. Choose your yoke is kind of what I want to talk about. And what I mean by that is I get to decide what I carry in life. Like I get to decide what I'm going to anchor myself to. I get to decide where I'm going to pour my time, my talent, my treasure, my energy, my passion, my worry. I get to decide those things. And the thing that's really important that we don't talk about in this context a lot. Um, so like, let me say it this way. Have you ever heard of the term spiritual warfare? Like, and what do you think of when you think of spiritual warfare? Say, say some stuff out loud. Demons, casting out demons, prayer, the full armor of God and, and all these things. And it's, it's like this prayerful, prayerful warfare, right? And that is true. That is part of what spiritual warfare is. But the key to spiritual warfare is realizing that we are always being acted upon by spiritual forces. Hello? Every second of the day, we are being acted upon or influenced by spiritual forces. Always. Even in our sleep. There are spiritual forces acting upon us, trying to influence us. Amen? Because we're spiritual beings. What does it say? I think it's uh, Song of Solomon. It says, though I sleep, my heart is awake. How many of you have ever felt that before? Like, how many of you had those moments where you slept, but you felt like you had an encounter with the Lord as you slept? Like, though I slept, my heart, my spirit was awake. And every second of the day, we are walking into atmospheres that are manipulated or controlled by spirits. And we get to choose what we partner with. Amen. How many have had uh, just been having a wonderful day? Everything's beautiful. You woke up singing, oh, what a beautiful morning. Oh, what a beautiful day. Everything is awesome. And you walked into work and all of a sudden you felt tense. Or you walked into a store or you pulled up next to someone at a light and you felt angry or something shifted. Anyone ever had something like that happen? Because there are spiritual forces everywhere. And they are attempting to partner with us. They are attempting to gain the authority and the power that we carry because they don't have the authority to act up on us and make us do what they want us to do. We have to partner with them. Hello. For example, you and I could walk into a satanic cult ritual and not be influenced by it. 
You're like, oh, but there's so much evil. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah, but I, inside of me, am a child of God. The blood of Jesus is over me, and I get to decide what I put my heart, what I connect my heart to. However, if I'm unaware of the atmosphere, I can walk into an evil or a spiritual atmosphere that's different than what God has for me. And if I'm unaware, I can partner with it through offense, through frustration, through, through sin, whatever it is. But this is going on all the time. And there are spiritual forces and they want to, they want to act upon us. They want to hijack the authority Jesus gave us. See, before Jesus came, Satan was the prince and the power of the air. Amen? How many, how many know that's true? Like before Jesus came, the Lord, the, the Lord allowed Satan to have influence on the planet. Hello? But when Jesus came, Jesus stripped him of all power and all authority. How many believe that? Raise your hand. So at the cross, Jesus said, you know, the way things have been going, it's over at this moment. You've had free reign. You've had the ability to go in and go out and do whatever you thought you wanted to do on the earth, but no more do you have this authority. I have all authority. And Jesus took the keys back to death, hell, the grave. He took all power, all authority, and he has it now. Amen. And then before Jesus left, what did he tell his disciples? And because I have all power and all authority, I'm giving it to who? To us. So do you know why there's the, the evil that we see on the earth, why it's such a, uh, um, why it should bother us more than it does? Because we can do something about it. How many have ever watched the news and just been like frustrated, like, man, there's nothing I can do about this. This is a mess. False, not true. We have to learn that we have the authority to partner with what Jesus is doing and then we can shift the atmosphere. How many believe that? If Jesus has all authority, then someone has zero authority. That's the devil. And if Jesus gave us all authority, then we also have all authority or access to it. Like I don't actually possess it, but I have permission to use it. Like I'm not all authoritative, but I have relationship with the person who has all authority. And he says, anytime you come through me, I will loan you my authority. And so right now, every moment of our life, we're being acted upon by forces that we do not see. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, if we're going to talk about spiritual warfare, this is the probably one of the top two verses for this. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Like, yeah, we're flesh and blood and we live on the earth and we're people, we're human beings, right? But we don't war through that side of our, of our existence. We war through the spirit. Amen? And he says, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. See, it's interesting that the next thing he says is, but we're but are mighty in God. So flesh weapons are weak. But our spiritual weapons are mighty, powerful, amen? To pull down strongholds. A stronghold is anything we trust in above God. That's a stronghold. It could be talent, it could be effort, it could be money, it could be relationships, it could be anything. A stronghold is anything we put our trust in above God. Yeah. 
And he says that our weapons are not fleshly weapons, but they're spiritual weapons, and we can pull down strongholds. We can cast down arguments or imaginations. Come on. We can pull down every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. There are a lot of, there's a lot of thinking that's been released on the earth right now that is against the knowledge of God. Like we could just get on our pet soapbox right now and pick, like just throw a dart. And there's a belief that the humanity is, is putting out there right now that is absolute evil and contrary to God. And we can, we can get frustrated about it. We can get mad and be like, oh, we, don't, we can't change anything. They're, they're, they're taking our kids and they're teaching them stuff in school. We don't want to, and we can complain and whine or we can take the weapons that we've been equipped with and we can pull down strongholds and imaginations and arguments that have set themselves up against the knowledge of God. We can pull them down. And we don't physically walk into the schools and pull down strongholds. We do it through prayer. And we do it by partnering with the proper spirit and breaking partnership with evil spirits. Because 2 Corinthians tells us, what fellowship can I have I, with light with darkness? He says, you can't drink of the cup of demons and the cup of the Lord. And bringing into captivity every thought to make it obedient unto Christ and we're ready, listen, to, this is an interesting verse that we don't really ever talk about. And being ready to punish all disobedience. Whoa. There has to be a consequence for disobedience. So I wanna talk just for a few moments on this, okay? So walk with me through this. We'll, we'll kind of see where we end up. The precondition of my heart often is what will predispose me to whatever spiritual influence there is in the room. The thing that I've been pondering, thinking about, meditating on, or feeding myself on will create a condition in my heart so that when I walk into an atmosphere, my heart will partner with that because I've been prepping myself. There's a, there's a psychological term they use in advertising called priming. And what they do is they try to prime us to make decisions. It's used big time in commercials like uh, Coca-Cola. When you see the Coca-Cola, probably some of you already thought of the polar bear, especially this time of year, you know, ice skating with the Coca-Cola in its hand, right? Or, you know, the, the beer commercials try to show people having a fun time with family and they're jumping into a pool and they're doing fun stuff so that you're primed to when you're in a fun atmosphere, you want that thing, or when you're with your family singing Christmas carols, you want to drink a Coke. It's priming. And what we do is we prime our heart for what we're going to partner with. The Bible says that about Mary. When the angel came and says, you're going to be with child and he's going to be the Messiah. And she, the Bible says she hid it in her heart. And then later it goes on and says that she thought about it. And she said, be it unto me as you have spoken. Like, so there was a preconditioning that happened in her heart. And you and I do the same thing. There is a preconditioning that happens. Jesus teaches about it and he calls it leaven. How many have ever heard of the leaven that Jesus talked about? Like he compared the kingdom to leaven, but he also spoke about the beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. 
Ooh, there's more, but the, the, the ones that I'm talking about right now, the leaven of, of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. So let's look at that for a second. If I can prime and condition my heart to be attracted to the spiritual uh, influence in an atmosphere, then I need to be aware of what those things are. Okay, so you've got the kingdom. So I, the example of this would be if, I, if we're in an atmosphere where God is being exalted and he's being lifted up and his presence manifests itself in a room, my heart should be primed to lean into him when that happens. That's why when we do gather in church, it's, it's I'm just gonna, I'm biased, I'm a church boy, but it, it's better than when I'm praying in my prayer closet. I don't, I don't, because all of us, have primed our heart in the prayer closet. And then when he shows up in a room all together, we all go to him and we're drawn to him and it shifts the atmosphere. And I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's like a greater degree of his presence shows up. It's the manifest presence of God. And I know we have those times in prayer, don't get me wrong, but that prayer closet, it was what primes me for these corporate encounters to where, man, my heart was ready I felt him and I went with him. How many, how many know what that feels like? But then there's the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod that works against our ability to respond to the presence of God. I'm trying to teach through this. Um, that's the enemy's goal. It's, it's to keep us from responding to God. Hello? He wants to keep us from responding to God. Because if we don't respond to God, then we will be influenced by other spiritual atmospheres. So if you have the kingdom, which is leaven, and you've got the Pharisee, the leaven of the Pharisee, which is a religious spirit. And so what happens is if I've primed my heart with religion and the law, then when I get into atmosphere where there's religion and the law, I partner with it. You're like, well, that sounds good. No, it's not. Because what the law does, according to Romans, is it makes us aware of sin. Because of the law, our, our knowledge and understanding and it increased so that we know what sin is. So if I have a religious leaven inside of me, a Pharisee leaven inside of me, when I get into atmospheres with that same spirit, all of a sudden, I'm aware of people's flaws. I'm aware of my flaws, and I'm aware of your flaws. And it drives me insane. It's the religious spirit. It's the leaven inside of me. We get critical. We don't have a nice thing to say about anyone or anything. Everything, we judge it. And we're right about it. Oh, that's the worst part of the religious spirit. We're right and I'm talking straight to me because, like, I'm right. How many of you know, like, come on, any other people like me in the room, like, when you're right, you're like, dude, I'm just right. I don't, like, sorry, you could like it or lump it. <laughs> but what the religious leaven does is it cultivates inside of me this I'm right, arrogance, you deserve justice, you deserve punishment, you're doing the wrong, oh my, I can't believe you're so stupid to believe that. Because I'm right. And we walk around with that atmosphere. And guess what? If I'm walking around with it in me, I'm influencing the atmosphere for other people. 
How many have ever noticed that whenever you're just in a cranky mood, other cranky people find you? <laughs> it's, it's amazing. It's like water is attracted to water. Crankiness is attracted to crankiness. And then all of a sudden, now we're griping to each other about our spouse or about our work or about whatever. Like, I didn't plan on coming in today and having this conversation with you and complaining, but our atmospheres that was primed by the leaven in our heart met and there was an agreement and we came into agreement with a spirit, a religious spirit. And here's the worst part about a religious spirit is it blinds us to our need for God. That's the worst part about religion is it fools us. The Bible says that it deceives us. James says, if we're hearers of the word and not doers, then we deceive ourselves. And so if I have this religious atmosphere, leaven built inside of me, then everywhere I go, I think I'm right. And I think I've got it all together. And I don't realize that I'm actually poor, I'm naked and I'm wretched. Then there's that other leaven of, of Herod, and that's the political spirit. Now, how many would say right now with 100% certainty that the world, especially the United States, is under the influence of a political spirit? Why? It's all we talk about. Everything's political because we're cultivating, we're priming all news is about is politics and the left and the right and the Democrats, Republicans and, and blah, 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 and all this stuff. And what, we're, and what we do is we get into this political spirit and it makes us feel hopeless and it makes us choose sides. And I know this is, I, I, and this is a Texas boy saying this, all right. There are gonna be people in heaven that voted for the other guy or the other girl. <laughs> Shocking. And they're going to look at me and be like, I didn't think you would be here in heaven. <laughs> I don't care. Like, you're like, I, don't, I can't reconcile that. Well, then maybe I've got a mixture of the political and the religious spirit. But that political spirit is sent in our land right now to divide us. It's to make the left and the right never sit together and find out, you know, actually... We agree on like 99% of stuff. We just want to be left alone. <laughs> Wouldn't that be wonderful? But the political spirit comes in and it infiltrates everything we do. You can't watch a, a, a game, any, a, a sporting event anymore because it's politicized. You can't watch the, 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 the award shows or music things. Everything that we go to to be entertained or to escape has been infiltrated with this political spirit. And what it's doing is dividing us. And Jesus warned his disciples, he goes, don't fall under the influence of the Pharisees and don't come under the influence of Herod. There's a king, his name is Jesus. He's on the throne. Now I want you to see this. So even Jesus was being acted upon by spiritual influences. And that, like, oh, surely not. No. Well, Jesus was tempted by Satan. Hello, we're closing this out. And Jesus was constantly surrounded by people that were influenced by Satan or by the leaven of Herod or by the leaven of the Pharisees. Everywhere Jesus went, there was a struggle for influence on him. Hey, Jesus, 
when are you coming into your kingdom? Even his disciples. Is this when you're going to set up your kingdom? Is this when we get to like rule with you? We get to be the ruling class and put those Romans in their place? Finally. And Jesus is like, you don't even understand my father. He's like, he even said, I don't even know the dates and times, which blows my mind again. (laughs) But everywhere Jesus was, people around him were trying to act upon him with the leaven that was in their heart. The Pharisees would come to him and say, Jesus, you're not supposed to heal on the Sabbath. We know, and you don't know. Even though you're the word made flesh, we know better. Oh, Jesus, perform a sign or a wonder, and then we'll believe that you're the son of God. Everywhere Jesus went, someone was pulling on him, and and they were being influenced by a leaven, a spiritual influence in their life. And every single time, Jesus won. Every single one of those battles, Jesus won. Sometimes he wouldn't even answer them. Most of the time, he would answer the question that they were really asking in their heart. And they were like, this guy is like a magician. How does he know what I'm thinking in my heart? Because the leaven manifests itself to him. It has to. Let me say this. Whatever leaven I'm priming or I'm allowing to to be cultured and cultivated inside my heart, Jesus, it has to manifest itself before Jesus. Demons had to announce themselves to Jesus. The leaven that's in our heart, it has to express itself because it has to bow to the Lordship of Jesus. And it has, and here's the way, there's so much to this. Basically, the enemy wants to use us as objects of wrath against God. And so he wants us to 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 reveal to Jesus who our Lord really is. So if there are influences in our heart, leaven in our heart that is not of God or for God, the enemy wants to throw that in Jesus' face to say, see, you're not their Lord. You're not his Lord. Politics is, religion is, money is, whatever it is. You guys okay? How many times did Jesus walk away and shift the, the atmosphere by not answering or giving into this. Like even when he was standing before judgment, he didn't even defend himself. Because when we defend ourselves, we, we didn't set the agenda. If someone comes to you and accuses you of something and you didn't do it and you start to defend yourself, guess who's already won? The accuser. Because now you are arguing with them to prove your innocence. You can't prove a negative, right? Like, I didn't do this thing. It's, it's impossible to prove it. And now we find ourselves trying to prove that we didn't do this thing. And Jesus wouldn't do it because he was only gonna do what he saw his father do. He was only gonna say what his father said. Amen? Flip over to, to John 4 and we'll close this out. John 4, verse 31, it says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat again. There they are telling Jesus what to do. <laughs> come on, you're, surely you're hungry. Eat something. It's like when you go to mom's house, like here, come here, eat something. I just ate on the way. No, you need to sit down. You need to eat something. This is what they were doing to Jesus. Rabbi, you need to eat something. And Jesus looked at him and said, I have food to eat of which you do not even know. 
What a powerful statement. And the disciples looked at one another like, which one of you guys went and got him lunch? Like, you're trying to play favors with Jesus. Who bought him lunch? I need to know because I got to one-up you so that I can sit on his right or his left. Has anyone brought him something to eat? And Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. What was Jesus influenced by? That's it. That's it. That was what Jesus was influenced by. I was sent to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Nothing else has the opportunity to influence me because Jesus primed his heart every moment of the day for this right here. My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Nothing else could steal his attraction because he cultivated an inner world that people didn't know about. And now he's telling his disciples, you guys don't understand. What actually nourishes me is doing my father's will. What actually pleases me is pleasing him. And here's the deal. This book was not written for us to just read it as a story and to be like, oh man, isn't that amazing what happened? I mean, it is. Like, I tell people all the time, like, how, how can you not enjoy reading the Bible? It is the best book ever written. Anything you can think of is in this book. It's the best. But it's not just a book. And Jesus didn't, live the life he did just to show off. Like, see, I can do this. He did it so that we could live in him. So that the things he did, we could do. He even told his disciples, the things I've been doing, you're gonna do these things and what? Even greater works. How? How do I do greater works than Jesus? He's like, well, I'm gonna send you the Holy Spirit. And when that happens, you're not gonna understand how, how, how that relationship is gonna change your world. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6 to finish this. I feel like I need to read this. 2 Corinthians 6, we'll we'll do verse 11 and 12, and then we'll, we'll read some more. O Corinthians, we have spoken openly to, your, uh, to you. Our heart is wide open. You're not restricted by us, but you're restricted by your own affections. Wow. Sneaky verse. It just slips right in there. You're not, he's saying, the things I'm writing to you and telling you how to operate this church, that's not what restricts you. What restricts you are your affections. I just let that sit. You might want to write that, take that in your prayer closet and talk to the Lord about it. Let's go to verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Oh, that's, that's not what it means. It's exactly what it means. Do not yoke yourself with an unbeliever. It's not just talking about marriage, guys, ladies. We've used this forever to teach it's about marriage. 
that's, that's a perfect example of that. It makes it difficult when you're unequally yoked for a marriage to succeed or to, to fulfill all God's plans. But God can do anything, right? Nothing's beyond limits. But he's saying, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Baal? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. You. Everyone say, I'm the temple. And God said, and this he's saying, you're the temple, and then this is what God prophesies over you. I will dwell in you and walk among you, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Therefore, read it in your Bible, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. Oh, but we're in the world, but we're not of the world. We're supposed to be the head, not the tail. What does that mean? It doesn't mean that we rule. It means we lead. Uh, I'm going to stop. The prosperity gospel has taken that verse and, and put it in, you should be the boss, not the, not the underling. You should be the CEO, not the accountant. You should be the head and not the tail. And look, if the Lord does that for you and that's your understanding of it, great. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying you should be the influencer. You should be the leaven that's more powerful than the leaven that's around you, regardless of your state or your status or your condition. We sat last night, Matthias has been wanting us to watch this movie, and some of you have heard it. It's called Unbroken. It's an older movie um, of a man who, uh, they got lost at sea, World War II, for like 47 days, and they, they got uh, imprisoned in a Japanese internment camp uh, or, or concentration camp during World War II. The guy was beaten. He was mistreated. And every single time he won the people over because the leaven inside of him was not going to bow to the leaven around them. I mean, you should watch it. It's a great movie. It's, it's hard to watch it and not say, I'm going to act out and just get killed because you're not going to do that and me not respond, right? It's really hard to not. But that's a perfect example of being the head and not the tail. He had no power. He had no authority. He was in a camp where they told him everything to do. Look at me. Don't look at me. Eat this. Don't eat that. Go clean this. Everything was told. But the internal world that he had won him over. It just won him over. That's what it looks like to be the head and not the tail. You can be the lowest on the totem pole at your work and change the whole atmosphere. It's absolutely true. And that's what he means. Come out from them, be separate. And then he says, do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. Oh, and I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and a daughter, says the Lord Almighty. And he says, verse seven, verse, chapter seven, verse one, we'll close with this. Second closing, I know. Therefore, having these promises, be beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, of the flesh and of the spirit. There is a filthiness of the flesh and a filthiness of the spirit. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. What's the point? Yes, we know that we can sin in the flesh and it makes us filthy. It, it, it's, it's what the Bible says. Our, you know, or our, our righteousness is filthy rags as well. The religious stuff. 
But then there's also a spiritual filthiness. And I see it like me not taking what Jesus offered me and standing on it. I see it as um, the, the climate, the atmosphere affecting me more than I affect it. Everyone okay? You guys okay back there? Yep. George just fell down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the filthiness of the spirit would be allowing the things of the world to, to, to get on the filter. So the Lord's calling us to be separate, to be different, to be marked. Come on. Why don't you stand with me? you just ask the Holy Spirit to, to search? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Holy Spirit. Search me, oh God. See if there's any wickedness in me. And do with it however you want to. James talks about this in, in, in these terms. A double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. They're tossed by every wave. It's like the chameleon. I mean, I had, had friends in life that when they're around certain people, they act a certain way. When they're around other people, they act another way. Like they're easily influenced by the atmosphere. And God is calling us today, those here and those watching, to stop being easily influenced by the wrong spirits and to be more easily influenced by his spirit. So here's, here's the deal. I'm going to be real serious right now. The best way for me to measure what I'm being influenced by is how quickly I respond. It's like when the Lord ask for something or the Lord moves in a specific way. If I respond quickly, then I know that I've been cultivating the kingdom inside of me. If I'm quick to anger, if I'm quick to greed, if I'm quick to all these other things, then I've been cultivating inside of me the wrong leaven and it needs to come out. Amen. The, the leaven that's not from God that I've cultivated has to come out because the Bible says a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. A little bit of that leaven will influence every part of my life. I may think, oh, it's only this part, or I'm strong enough to only allow it to influence this area, but we're not. We don't get to decide what that stuff does to us. It's plutonium. We can't touch it. We've got to learn 
to be easily moved by the presence of God, the spirit of God, the wooing of the Holy Spirit. And the, the way we do that is just, we just do whatever he tells us to do instantly as fast as we can. And we practice that to the point where we become so much more influenced by him then we don't feel ourselves being drawn to those other things. And so I'm gonna ask you if you bow your heads, if, if today in this you felt, yeah, I've probably got some of this other leaven in me because I'm easily drawn into this other thing or I, I feel these things rise up in me that I know aren't kingdom or maybe my passions are out of control. It's a great sign that I'm cultivating the wrong leaven inside of me. Like, man, I just can't stop. I can't stop this thing. I can't stop being angry or mean or fill in the blank. Then there's a leaven there that only the Holy Spirit can take out. Amen? And so if, if you're like that today, you're like, I, I know there's leaven in me and I need the Holy Spirit to do surgery today and take it out. I'm just gonna ask you to come here to the front. We're not gonna raise our hand and stay at our seat. I'm gonna ask you just to find a place here at the front and we're gonna begin to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to come. So you can come on down now if you, if you feel that. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Increase our sensitivity to the presence. Oh, come on. Hmm. Ah, Jesus. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, why don't you just just pray how you need to pray. <laughs> just invite you, Holy Spirit, to come and do surgery. Yeah. Shine a light. So leaven gets in us through agreement. So we've got to break agreement. It, it, it can only get in there by agreement. It has to have permission. It can't just show up in us. So Father, we break agreement with the leaven of the Pharisees, the political spirit, the leaven of Herod, God, we, we bring that to you as well, God. We break agreement with the political spirit and religious spirit. We break affection with those spirits, God. Oh, man. I'm going to say this. 
there's an energy and a passion that we get from it. Like I, I've seen it in me, like when a political argument or something would rise up, I get fired up about it. And it's like an adrenaline rush. You're like, oh yeah, let's do I'm feeding that leaven in that moment. I'm feeding on its passion. So God, we break agreement right now. If it's a religious spirit or if it's a political spirit, we break agreement right now. We break the addiction to the adrenaline rush it gives us, God. Oh, the, the, the religious spirit, when I feel like I'm right, ooh, it's so ugly, God. The self-righteousness and the pride that, that energizes me and makes me feel like, well, I'm better than that or I would never do that thing. God, I hate that I do that and I break agreement with it. I break my addiction to that feeling of self-righteousness. I am nothing without you. There is no righteousness apart from surrender to you. Righteousness does not come through works. It does not come from obeying the law. It only comes through surrender to you, Jesus. So I break my addiction to self-righteousness. Holy Spirit, break down our pride. Bathe us in humility. In reliance on you, not on the flesh. The flesh counts for nothing. The flesh counts for nothing, God. We lay our ego down. We give up our rights to be offended, our right for justice, our right to be right. We lay it down. We yield it to you. yield our right to our own opinions and thoughts and ideas. We lay them at your feet, God. We ask that you, Holy Spirit, would teach us truth. We lay aside self-assurance, self-preservation, self-promotion, all selfishness, we lay it down at your feet right now. Forgive us, God, for being selfish, for being more aware of ourselves than we should be. And we come into agreement with what you say. We stir our affection for the kingdom, for the leaven of the kingdom, for the things of God. We stir that love now. We stir that addiction now. May our food be to do the will of the Father, to finish his work, because it's still not finished. (laughs) 
apprehend us, God. Take hold of us. Lay claim to the affections of our heart. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. He's changing our nature <laughs> right now. We are being transformed right now. Come on. God, stir up our affection for you. Would you pray that? Would you just pray that over yourself? God, stir up my affection for you. Stir up my love for you. Stir up my response to you. Stir up my awareness for you. We belong to you. If you're away from the Lord or if you've never accepted him as your Lord, right now do that. Just say, I choose you as Lord. Jesus, be my Lord. Be the Lord of my life. Be the greatest influence on me. We declare over this house over the families of this house that Jesus Christ is Lord yes. <laughs> we choose to be yoked with him thank you Jesus if you want prayer We'll meet you here at the front. We want to pray for you. I do want to say, don't just walk away from today and not have a talk with God by yourself about this. Amen. I just, I, I want to pray a blessing. Father, may we be burning ones. That's it. That's the blessing. Father, make us burning ones. <sighs> Flaming fires. <laughs> yeah. Make us weird, God. Put your name on us. Mark us. In Jesus' name. 